Yiggity yiggity yo! This is Heath Armstrong for another amazing, fantastically creative, pumped up episode of The Archipreneur Now Podcast, episode 63. Ooh-wee! All you heady little babes out there, all you crazy jiving little brews doing the funky funky doing the groove let's get figgity funked up let's get piggity pumped up because this is another fantastic episode and i am pumped to be here with you today on the show all the show notes will be at artsynow.com forward slash 63 and you are going to be so happy with me for the guests that i have brought on today miss kiffany staley out of the San Francisco Bay area, she is the founder of The Artist JD. She's also a lawyer, a photographer, and has traveled all over the place. <laughs> she she left school, uh, traveled to all the different national parks for an extended period of time. I mean, it's a fascinating story. Went back, uh, opened up her law business, but in a sense to help creatives just like her, uh, get away from the big, bad, scary side of law and and realize that you can have legal advice that can help your creative brand. And she's here to help you do that. Uh, she's here to help creative businesses grow and succeed in a very comfortable manner uh, in a plan with her that is going to make you feel like you're still a creative and you don't have to understand all this nonsense that's coming out of the woodwork with all these insane lawyers. So I know how... You all feel about that kind of stuff. I feel the same way. And she is solving that problem. And she is unbelievably amazing. Such a humble guest to have on. And the very first one to send me a literal picture of how she would defeat Godzilla in the mail. A drawing. A creative at heart. I love it. Kiffany is awesome. I hope everybody finds so much value in this interview. Again, all the show notes. Artsynow.com forward slash 63 in. Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that stinky, stinky, riggedy, diggy beat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, here we go now. Who wants to get a little bit funky out there? Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Yeah. Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, I do, I do. get on with your bad selves, yeah. All you artists and all you creatives out there, you better liggity listen up. Because my guest today is getting us all super fist pumped up out of the San Francisco Bay. She's helping artists scale their creative business every day, making the law less scary for creatives. She's a photographer. She's dishing tools, legal advice, and action plans to other creatives through the artist JD to help maximize the life we all love. A skidamarinkity dinkity dink, a skidamarinkity doo Kiffany Staley, you are the entrepreneur now. What's going on? Not much. It's a, a lovely rainy day here in San Francisco. That was extra calm. I know. I'm sorry. I, I'll be more pumped up. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
it always rains there in the winter, so you have to get used to it. And I, I'm I'm matching my mood should not match the environment. Are you are you fist pumping and do you have? Coffee? I'm fist pumping. I'm fist pumping for you. And you have coffee. Actually, I, I think you really are fist pumping right now. I was. <laughs> I'm so pumped to have you on. I met. Yeah, it's Tiffany. good to be here. Yeah, I met Kiffany through Gina Chaw out there, and she's going to be episode 61, I think. I could be wrong about that. Sorry. But you can check that out on artsynow.com. And and I had a talk, talk with Kiffany uh, in the past, and we fist pumped and acted like we pounded coffee when we really, I think, just drank tea. I think we did, yeah. And had an amazing chat because she's doing something that I have not ever met anybody who does before, and she is making the law less scary for creatives. Uh, you are the founder of The Artist JD and Staley Law, and you have a background of pure photography. So yes. you're, you're a fellow small business owner, and, and you're helping other creatives kind of grow and succeed. Um, and you definitely don't like the term lawyer, do you? I Yeah. I mean, I am the lawyer I want that you want to be your friend. That's always the biggest compliment that I get is that I'm the first lawyer that people actually want to be their friend. Um, I try to bust the stereotype of lawyers, um, to not be that stuffy person who spouts a bunch of legalese at you, but who really helps empower you and to think about the law differently. Because the legal aspects of your business are important and are kind of the foundation of how you can build a successful and thriving creative business and sticking your head in the sand and being ostrich about them (laughs) isn't going to help you get ahead and means that you're reacting and um, trying to backpedal and, and get ahead of when things are presented to you versus if you understand the law and understand those aspects of your creative business, then you can enter into situations with other people feeling empowered and feeling knowledgeable about what your rights are and what you deserve. And it means that you get better deals. It means that you are more successful, and that means your creative business is built on a much better foundation. And that's what we all want. We all want to succeed and thrive and grow in our businesses. Yeah, how amazing. And what, what a nice outlook to put out there. Yeah, it's it's not your typical outlook. Um, I'm not your typical lawyer, and I'm not your typical person who talks about the law. Um, I think that it 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 really was written to help us all, and it shouldn't be um, taken away into this ivory tower that's um, confusing and misunderstood. Yeah, it's it's extremely misunderstood, and I'm not going to lie. When I went to well, when I was a kid. I had aspirations to become a lawyer and it only took one class in college to make me decide that I absolutely had no chance of wanting to be a lawyer anymore. Well, I wouldn't say chance, but no interest in wanting to be a lawyer. And it's because of that misunderstanding. And since I've started this show, I've had three amazing people who literally are involved in law firms, but I would never, I mean, like I've made a relationship with them and I would never think that there was any way I would classify them with what I used to think a lawyer was. So, you know, you and Gina Chaw and Kim Nickel are all very, very creative and it's amazing. Like it's, it's a whole nother eye opener for me. Yeah. They're both wonderful women who I enjoy having as friends. Um, but yeah, we definitely, 
and and we're unique. There are not a lot of lawyers who think like us. The the lawyer stereotype exists and continues to exist for a reason. Um, however, just because someone you know does that for a career doesn't necessarily mean that the, that that's how they that they have the same outlook on life um, and the same outlook on business and how the law should be perceived and discussed. <laughs> Touche. So do we have to come to San Francisco to find cool lawyers like that? Um, there's other lawyers. I've met actually some really cool lawyers out of Portland recently. So there are some cool ones there. And let's see where else. New York. There's a couple cool lawyers in New York that I know of. But there's not, there's not a lot. I don't know a ton of them. <laughs> I was going to say, I know three. <laughs> and we all know and the three of us all know each other too which you know but you're all traveling yeah. lawyers as well i mean not traveling for practice but you all travel for passion and hobbies so it, you might be Most posting definitely. from somewhere and i'm like wow you know they're yeah. here and they're here and i love traveling too so i just kind of relate and it's yeah. amazing and no. so i'm going to throw this out there mm-hmm. i've got a va who helps me do pre-show research and although we had our own pre-show chat I, I've got some amazing little things I'm going to pop on you here that my VA found about you. Uh-huh. And, so, <laughs> and, and they're pretty amazing. So you recently became obsessed with picking fruit, grapes. Pickling fruit, yeah. Oh, mm. pickling fruit, yeah. Pickling, yes. Grapes, cherries, and pineapples are especially delicious. They are. I totally want to try that out. And mm-hmm. I noticed that you have a soft spot for law and order, just like Gina. So I, what's that uh, about? So vintage law and order, like the the old ones with Sam Osborne. Oh my goodness, those are like my favorite law and orders ever. Um, yeah, I I don't know what it is. Like I am when I went to law school, I knew that like going in the courtroom was never well. First off, the courtroom is so different than it is in reality than it is on TV. But yeah, those old law and orders, and then. Law and Order Criminal Intent, that didn't exist for very long, but I really liked that one too with Vincent D'Onofrio. Those were really good too. So when you, uh, were, when you were a child, did you basically know that you wanted to be a lawyer? Right off no. Track? No. Law was actually my second career. I worked as a wildlife biologist for 10 years before I went to law school. Uh, I awesome. didn't start law school until I was in my 30s. That's amazing. What did you do during that time? I worked for the Department of Fish and Game um, for several years and UC Davis for several years. And I worked a lot with endangered species and tracking and making maps. Um, I actually have a book that I was published as one of the authors of that we did a survey of California and all of the habitats and wildlife and endangered species and, and made some potential like plans and maps of how California could um, improve our environment over the next decade. So yeah, that's that's the sum. Lots of lots of hiking and being outside and sleeping in sleeping in a tent. It was fun. Oh, that sounds like the dream to me. That's basically what I do every weekend when I get a chance. Yeah, um, doing it every day once you get once you get to a certain age is not a lot of fun. <laughs> which is which is why I went to law school. <laughs> yeah, I guess depending on where you are and what kind of storm systems coming through at the time. Yeah, yeah. So, but the maps. I mean, that's pretty cool. I can't say that I've ever drawn a map or had anything like that published. Yeah, we did a lot of um, the GIS kind of maps, the that kind of mapping. Yeah. So what so. was that? When did you spend your entire summer touring the national parks? 
So I actually quit my jobs, all of my wildlife jobs. And so it was, I quit the job. I think I ended up wrapping up the beginning of April. And then that entire, from April until I started law school in August, I lived in my car and sold all my belongings, whatever would fit in my car. Um, was all he took with me. And I did all the national parks of the West, um, did a bunch of camping and hiking and picture taking, and then um, drove my car into San Francisco and stayed with a friend for a couple nights while I found a place to live, and then started law school like three days later. <laughs> I love this. That is incredible. How, yeah. so did you, were you nervous at all when you decided to do that or were you, were you prepared? No. Like, did you save any money up and, and like get ready for it? I mean, it's that's a super cheap, cheap kind of trip. I mean, you're sleeping in either <laughs> campgrounds. Well, and I also like I was I'm lucky enough to know that like it's free to camp on most BLM land. It's free to camp on most Forest Service land. Mm-hmm. So for the most part, I was paying for food, which you're cooking everything, and so that's super cheap. And you're staying most days. You're not staying to you're paying to sleep anywhere. So all you're paying for is like gas and food. So it's not a very expensive trip. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I probably spent like seven or $800 all summer. Um, oh, incredible. Yeah, because well, really all you're doing is paying for gas. If, if I wanted to get in my car right now and take off, what do you think, like what, what was the number one thing that you would tell me to be sure I remember to do while I'm out there? Well, you need to do glacier before much longer because glacier is not going to have amazing glaciers. (laughs) Glacier will cease to exist. Um, So glacier should be on your list. Plus, it's just gorgeous. Uh, Glacier was amazing. Uh, National park that's not very well, not very traveled to, but is gorgeous. Um, There's two of them. There's the Cascades, which is in Washington Mm -hmm. State, Mm -hmm. and Rocky Mountain National Park, which is in Colorado. Both of those were gorgeous and both of those I probably interacted with like two people the entire weeks I stayed in those parks Um, so you can definitely like get out in nature and not be right on top of people um, which is hard to do in most national parks I have always had my eye on the Cascades yeah Cascade National Park was amazing I was there for 4th of July weekend Um, some friends from Seattle came out and met me and we were there for like five days and we were the only people on our campground on 4th of July weekend. It was amazing. Where is it in relation to like George Washington or like where the gorge is? Um, so it is kind of between Spokane and Seattle. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, we went up. I was up at the gorge a couple. I guess it was last year. So we went up there and saw fish play, which was pretty awesome. They did like three nights and. Yeah. And that place is incredible. So, mm-hmm. well, awesome. Now I'm all pumped up and I'm got my, I'm, I put my boots on right then, my travel boots. Right nice. Right talking unconsciously. There you go. Now you're ready to go. <laughs> I'm learning stuff from you already, right? Yep. So let's get into, I guess, your background and how, how you evolved after you decided to travel and you got in your car and all that amazing stuff. How you decided to start this different outtake on, you know, this lawyer scene that you're doing and, and how you've kind of created uh, this platform that helps make the law less scary for creatives and where the idea came from and why you approached it the way you did. Yeah. So 
after my first year of law school, the law school I went to had the option um, for the like, you know, smart kids um, to go to law school all during the summer. And then you got to take the fall off and work full time somewhere. And so I applied for that program and was accepted and worked full time at California Lawyers for the Arts, which is a nonprofit here in the San Francisco Bay Area that has a program that um, basically artists can call and say, I've run into this legal problem. And they have a referral panel, a panel of attorneys who are paired with the artists, depending upon their specialty, to help them with their problem. And the artists call, I think right now it's like $25 or $30 for the pairing, and then you get 30 minutes of the attorney's time um, to talk to them about your problem. And so I, during that time, I got to interact with a ton of artists and hear all of their questions and concerns. But I also got huge exposure to the legal community here in San Francisco and how most lawyers chose to operate their business. And as a fellow creative and as a photographer, I was still showing my photography a bit at that point in time. I haven't shown in a couple of years now, but then I was showing more regularly. There was a real disconnect to me in how a lot of these lawyers chose to interact with their clients and with the creative client base versus how I would want to be treated and how I would treat them myself. And so pretty quickly after working there, I decided that no one was practice or I was having a hard time finding someone who was practicing law like I would want to be treated and that I could treat and would desire to treat people. And so pretty much about October of that year, I decided that my goal was to open my own law firm as soon as I graduated from law school. And so I set up the rest of law school to do exactly that. I worked for really small firms so that not only could I learn how to read the law in law school, but I could learn how to be a lawyer because those are two different, very, very different skill sets. Mm-hmm. And so worked for some really small firms and saw how different people did different things and really came back every single time with how, if I was sitting across from them, how would that make me feel? And does that feel genuine to how I want to interact and treat people? And kind of started building my mental repertoire of what my firm would look like two years before it opened. Um, And so went through that process, studied for the bar, took the bar, got admitted on my first try and was admitted to the bar on Friday and my firm was open on Monday and um, already had friends who were calling me to be their lawyer. Um, And through this whole process, I knew that a big component of what I wanted to do was a community component and um, the ability to educate and to talk to people about the law differently. And there's only so much you can do of that on a one-on-one basis when you're acting as someone's attorney. Um, You know, when I'm your attorney, we can talk and I can teach you, but that doesn't get me much of a spread. Um, It doesn't allow me the platform to talk about this on a one-to-many basis Um, because we're talking about confidential information. And so I can only serve one person at a time as a lawyer. And so throughout this whole process, I've really tried to figure out 
ways and experiment with ways of doing this on a one-to-many basis, um, which then I can no longer function as your attorney. I have to function as an educator and as someone who's teaching you about the law and not necessarily functioning as your lawyer. Um, because if I'm functioning as your lawyer, we have to do that one-on-one. And so I created the Artist JD platform in April of this year um, after a couple different iterations of how of thinking about how I wanted it done. Um, one vision I had at one point in time was like a coffee shop community kind of space where we had workshops and, you know, maybe there was drop-in lawyer hours and stuff like that. Um, but in our modern era, it just didn't, a brick and mortar didn't seem to make a lot of sense and obviously is a much bigger financial um, starting point. So I launched this and um, have, have really enjoyed it. Um, it's given me a platform to talk about the law on a much bigger level and to spread my message that the law doesn't have to be scary and can be understood. Um, to a much wider audience. And so it's it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. It's one of my favorite favorite pastimes. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like Jack the Ripper scary. It can just be like Cookie Monster scary, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it can be, you know, it's, it's not necessarily, you know, it's never going to be fun. Um, but but most most foundational aspects of running a bus- business aren't fun. It's never really fun and it's always scary when you sit down and have to like plan out your 2015 goals, which is what I'm doing on Friday. That's never like a fun, that's always a terrifying and not necessarily fun exercise. It's a whole lot easier to set up a little photo shoot in my house where I take some cute pictures that are going to be posted on social media. Like that's that's a much funner and that's a like clickable and shareable kind of thing. But ultimately, if I don't have the foundation of my business set up right, then it doesn't matter how many likes I get because I won't be, I won't have a business anymore. Um, And so, yeah. And so, you know, the law stuff and the tax stuff and the money stuff and the planning and the goal setting stuff, none of that's fun stuff, but we still have to deal with it in order to have a successful creative business. So you're sitting down and you're planning what you're going to do for 2015. Are you a big visualizer and goal setter? I am. Yeah. Yeah. I am a super crazy visualizer and goal setter. Um, So I'm a big fan of, I'm a big fan of post-it notes. Um, (laughs) So I have a board that um, I actually just created a new one for this year and it's printed on a probably like a, 13 by 20, 14 by 20 piece of paper. Um, and it at the top, it has a section for my year goals. And then it has a section for each quarter. And then below that, it's broken down by month. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, I definitely, I am a big believer that if I write something down and if I see it every day, uh, I will do stuff to take baby steps towards that goal. And you can't, you know, as the saying goes, you can't eat an elephant in one bite, but you can eat an elephant if you take lots of bites. And so, you know, my reminder to myself every day is look at those goals and make sure I've done one baby step towards getting whatever is on my plate right now. I know. I'm fist pumping and smiling so much right now because I I know exactly what you're talking about. And it works so, so well. 
Like I've got a visualization board right in front of me and you mentioned the post-it notes and I laugh because there's like 40 of them like sticking off all over these monitors. Yeah. I, I literally always come back to every morning. I make sure I look at that visualization board and I put things up there that, you know, not just things that I want, but where I want to be, you know, places that I want to visit. And literally I break down every single day and I come up with two main goals and those are the two goals that if I get them done for the day, I'm going to be happy for that day yeah. of what I've accomplished. And it's all about those baby steps. I mean, I, I love baby steps so much. I'm just, I'd be wearing diapers every day if I could. Yeah. No, baby steps are, are the way to go. It's, it's very overwhelming when you think about, you know, like one of my goals this year is to um, get a million views to my website. Wow. And that is a terrifying number. But if I think about like, okay, I'm going to do this guest post here and their readership is this and we can, you know, hopefully get, you know, maybe 5% of the people to click through to my site. Okay. Then that's, that's a good little baby step towards getting that million views. And, you know, I'm appearing on your podcast and hopefully people will click through in the show notes to my link and then we'll get some people to my website. Um, and so if you can do one teeny little thing every day, then that million number over the course of a whole year isn't so scary. Mm-hmm. Well, I hate to um, break it to you, Kiffany, but it's just me and you. I know. Nobody's ever going to listen to this. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but, but for real. No. Uh, but for real. <laughs> So yeah, that's awesome. And I love the, I love the visualizing and I love the outlook because I think if you do imagine yourself and you truly do train your mind to see that way, you'll get there. I mean, it's an unconscious state. You'll, you will actually get there. And it's kind of like when you're a kid and your mom tells you brush your teeth every day and it becomes an unconscious part of your life where if you figure out a way to visualize every day and to take a step towards it every day, you'll start to do it automatically without even thinking about it. And yeah. It's amazing where you can go. Yeah. And and things like, you know, there are different motivation techniques I use when I'm trying trying to create a new habit. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of the like don't break the chain kind of habit making things of, you know, when I started deciding that I was gonna be writing this much, um, both writing for guest posts and writing, you know, I my blog posts are between a thousand and fifteen hundred words every week. Um, that's, that's a significant amount of writing when I have a full-time job as well. And so I decided that I needed to start writing every morning and to say, I'm going to write every single morning for the next year seems like a terrible, like thing to overcome. But I said, okay, I'm going to write every morning for the next three days. And then once I'd accomplished those three days, I was like, okay, I can do another three days. And then that chain became to a point that I didn't want to break it anymore because I had like 40 days under my belt and I didn't want to start all over at zero. <laughs> so I had to write today. And then and then after a certain point in time, it just became my habit that I would get up in the morning, make a cup of tea, and then sit down and write. Um, and so... At first, you need those little things to help motivate you until it just becomes the habit and and you just that's part of your routine. Yeah, it's so powerful and it all starts in the morning and it's amazing. My my whole morning routine is is writing, visualizing, reading, uh, meditating and playing guitar and and I keep adding some things on, but if you just do it, all those things a little bit at a time, it's insane how it can build up mountains 
And, yeah. And uh, you can fist pump even harder. So Exactly. So, yeah, get those things done that you want to do before you look at email, even though it's so tempting to look at email in the morning. Every time I do, I just immediately... But then you just get sucked down this rabbit yeah. hole of, like, other people <laughs> controlling your day. and Oh, it's just... But it's so hard sometimes. Yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, so... Yeah. Well, let's talk about the artist Shady. And so, so when you yeah. engage with artists, what do you think some of the most common problems that these artists have that you're helping them with? I mean, what, what, what do most people come to you and say, this is what I need help with, or this is where I want to be going with what I'm doing? Yeah. So a lot of it is just tons of questions of, you know, I, I just don't even know where to start information overwhelm. You know, I know about copyright. I do this Google search for it and I get a gazillion hits and what am I supposed to like, you know, and then I start to read it and it's written in an almost foreign language and you know, it just, it frustrates me. And so I, I just click away and I don't pay attention to it. Um, so definitely things like, you know, copycats, um, someone stealing your work is a big problem that a lot of people, um, either are concerned about or have happened to them. And so they're wondering how to deal with that. Um, I'm actually in the process of writing a book right now to deal with that issue, um, an ebook that's going to be out in January. Incredible. Um, and, you know, so that um, copyright, you know, contracts, contracts are terrifying to most people. Um, I am one of those complete nerds that love contracts. I think contracts are just a big puzzle. Each clause kind of interacts with each other and you just kind of have to figure out how they interact and what they say. And one reason, one way I like to think about contracts is contracts are just really defining the boundaries of your relationship with the other person. Contracts are there to say what's okay and what's not okay. And if a likely scenario occurs, how we're going to deal with it. And so... A lot of people have a lot of questions about contracts, and so I try to tackle that. Um, LLCs, should I be an LLC? What is an LLC? Why are LLCs important? Is another question people have a lot of questions about. And finally, trademarks. Um, trademarks are another, you know, obviously interact with how we protect our brands and how we um stop other people from being too close to our brands. And so I would say those are kind of the biggest areas that people have questions about that I try to address. Yeah. Whenever I look at things that all the things that you just mentioned, I'm just like, yeah, no idea. Yeah. They're they're. I mean, and they're, they're huge topics too. And so, you know, I was actually realizing, um, so I host office hours once a month, which is uh, a new offering that I'm doing. And basically once a month, a group of us get together and kind of hang out and you get to ask me legal questions. Um, nice. We spend an hour doing it. And, uh, you know, there's only nine people allowed on the call. So everybody gets a chance to ask a question. And, um, you know, so it's, it's a great opportunity. Um, but someone asked a question about trademark yesterday during office hours. And I was saying, I was saying the answer and I was like, oh, and I have a blog post about that. And I go back into it and I was like, actually, I've started that blog post like three times, but it's never been published. Okay, I don't have a blog post about that. So apparently I need to talk about trademarks on my, on, 
on my editorial calendar. I need to put that on there. Um, but yeah, so, but, but the other topics, LLCs, I did a whole, probably about a six week series on LLCs. Um, so that's up there. I've done a lot of talking about copyrights and right now I'm in the middle of a contract series. Um, so there's, there's the start of some information there. Um, I only post once a week cause I tend to, I feel like sometimes these are topics that need to be delved into more than a 500 or 600 word post can do. So I do, you know, like I said, between a thousand and 1500 words. So all I can tackle is a post once a week. So I don't have, at this point, I probably only have like 30 posts up there. Um, a good amount. But, but yeah, so, so I'm, I'm slowly tackling all of those subjects. Um, and if there's question, you know, and, and again, with office hours, I write down what people's questions are and the, th- the kind of common threads um, get put on the editorial calendar. So that's, that's pretty incredible to think about. I mean, I had no idea anything about trademarks or which is sort of how we got connected in a way because I sent yeah. an email asking about it. And it's yeah. amazing to know that those are up there because I did not know that. And so I'll have to even check those out. So yeah, so yeah, and trademarks, trademarks, there's a lot of misconceptions about trademarks. Um, You know, trademarks are really, they're actually, when you think about the public policy behind laws, it sometimes helps make them make more sense as to why they are there. And trademark law is actually a consumer protection statute. It's all about making sure that we as consumers know when we see a logo or a phrase that we know who's providing that service to us. So when we see the golden arches and we go into McDonald's and we buy a Big Mac, we know that the McDonald's corporation is the one that's providing us those services and those and that hamburger and not mom and pop's hamburger shop down the street. Um, and so while it's utilized by brand owners um, and brand owners are the ones who are taking advantage of trademarks, the, the rules make more sense when you think about it from a consumer standpoint, because that's what they're really there for, is to protect us as consumers. Are you sure that's really a hamburger at McDonald's? I, you know, I haven't eaten one in probably, I don't even know. I don't even know the last time I went to McDonald's. If I have a fast food hamburger, I usually go to In-N-Out. So, but I don't even think I've had one of those in a couple of years. I've had a hamburger in like the last week, but I haven't had one from, from a fast food chain. Yeah, I'm not sure that it's actually real. I think they got in trouble and they said it wasn't, it wasn't pink slime anymore. I can't remember what that, I just, I don't pay attention to all those things very much because it doesn't affect my day to day. So. Well, what do you think looking at your, your business and the artist JD long-term, what are your big plans for the future? Like where you, where do you think you're going to take this? Um, so I would love to create a community around the artist JD. Um, and I don't know if that means a membership site and a place where people can get more in-depth with their questions and get more information. Um, you know, it's one of those things that the project is still so new that I'm still kind of listening and learning from the community that I'm building. Um, but yeah, but I want to, you know, my perspective is, is this is not about me. Um, 
I think I have a unique way of translating the law, but it doesn't matter if I don't have someone who's listening. And so I want to provide the things that are going to make the biggest impact. And I know the people that I connect with community is important and we feel more comfortable asking questions that we may think are stupid or that we feel nervous about when we're surrounded by people that we know. And so I think that some sort of community aspect and some sort of that part of it would be really helpful because the law is a big, scary beast and terrifies a lot of people. And so any way we can make it more comfortable, that I can make it more comfortable for people to learn and grow and get empowered is is the way I want to take things. Um, but I don't, I have ideas, but it's all feeling out what makes the most sense and what's going to resonate most with with those that connect with what I'm trying to say. That's it sounds like a one hell of a vision and I know quite a few I could probably list people on both hands that that would be interested in something like that. So the community I think is the right way to go. Yeah, I I am one of those people that's I want to change the way the creative community thinks about the law. Yes. And no one is doing that. No one is standing up and doing that. And I think given my unique background and given my natural talents Mm -hmm. that I can make a huge impact. And my goal is to do that and to get this message in front of the right people. You can um, play Rage Against the Machine in the background. And you can just take over the world. I I would love to take over take over the creative community and teach them that lead them to peace. Yeah, teach them, you know, and and empower them. You know, it's it's not about me me and my creative business. You know, it's about you and your creative business and giving you what you need to feel confident about these things because. I went to law school, so I think about the law very differently. The law doesn't scare me, um, but it does scare the people I want to serve. And so I have to learn from them because their perception of what I'm doing is very different than my perception of, of my subject matter. But do you think that it was harder to get started with all this, even though you did it so quickly, or do you think it's harder to keep going? I think. I think it's harder to keep going. Um, when I got started, you know, especially when I started my law firm, I really had no idea what I was doing. I, you know, I talked to a lot, a lot of young, you know, law students or people who are thinking about starting their firm. I have conversations with them and they ask me like, you're so brave. I can't believe you did it. And I was like, you know, it takes a certain amount of like, combination of moxie and completely being unaware of what you're getting yourself into to, to start a business, you know, and especially straight out of school. Um, to do that, it takes, you know, it takes really believing in yourself, but not 100% understanding what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Um, because, you know, and, and that doesn't, I don't think it matters across the board what your business is. I think that there is there is that you have to super believe in yourself, but you also have to jump in with both feet, not under hundred percent knowing what you're jumping into. 
Um, and if you don't do that, then you psych yourself out and you don't do it. Um, so, but then, you know, and so, so I did it and I was really happy doing it. I think the part of the struggle some days for me in the keeping on is I often feel like I'm banging my head against the wall and nobody's listening. Um, I'm talking about a subject that a lot of people don't want to hear about and they don't want to think about. And so there are, there are definitely days that I get discouraged um, for that reason. Yeah, I, I totally see where that could come into play because it, it is a topic that most people wouldn't even open up to listen to at first. But I think what you're doing is is creating a movement and it's going to open people's eyes and make them realize that that's absolutely not the case. Right. And, and, and I mean, right now, I know I'm talking to early adopters. I know I'm talking to people who are already being proactive about these things and are already thinking about these things. Um, and, you know, hopefully as time goes on, you know, we'll get the majority of creatives to start thinking about this. Um, and right now I know I'm talking to a smaller community because of, of those people who already have it on have it on the top of their mind. They maybe aren't doing anything about it, but know they should and know that they they want to be. Um, so yeah, but but then I you know talk to the talk to the majority and I get a little frustrated sometimes. <laughs> so well, yeah. I think it's an amazing thing. So all the creatives out there are definitely sitting there fist pumping and pounding <laughs> shots and celebrating. <laughs> And blowing up helium <laughs> balloons and all that good stuff. Sucking the air out and sucking the helium <laughs> out of them and talking in, in high voices. Yeah. I wish yeah. I had one right now. I would totally I know. I don't. I would totally do it too. <laughs> we should plan that one for the next episode. Next time. Next time I'm on, we'll go over many helium <laughs> takes <laughs> and so, do the whole interview and then have super headaches afterwards. <laughs> well, then you just get the nitrous balloons right after that and you're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, America. Yeah. And every other continent. And and wherever else you're No living. nitrous balloons. No nitrous. So, Tiffany, if you had to battle Godzilla, mm-hmm. how do you think you would use your creativity or talents to defeat that big, psychotic, crazy, ugly bastard? Ooh. So I would probably, I would probably like have to outsmart Godzilla because while I'm tall, he's still going to be tall, like a gazillion times taller than me. So it's probably going to have to be some sort of like smart trapping because I don't think Godzilla is all that smart. So we're going to like trap him somehow using some like puzzle of a complicated trap, I think. Do you think he's a meathead? I think he's a meathead. (laughs) I think I think Godzilla, even though he's a primate, is not the smartest primate of the bunch. You better make sure that that whatever you trap him in is fireproof, or he'll blow that shit right down. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't have a great answer for you. That was a fantastic answer. So yeah. Pray that cage doesn't break. Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, he's a mean man. He's someone you don't want to tangle with. <laughs> Although sometimes I deal with opposing counsel that are probably just probably as mean just as, worse. 
yeah. way worse because <laughs> they like do the like especially I dealt with somebody the other day who was this southern gentleman who I don't think he believed that women should be lawyers <laughs> and um, it was it was a very frustrating experience oh my gosh yeah you know what's crazy about that is out here in the south that is pretty much like an everyday thing that I encounter it's insane yeah just not not just lawyers and women but women and everything it's crazy. Yeah. Smart, smart women. We're just supposed to not use our smarts and just just cook some food. I mean, don't get me don't get me wrong. I love to cook some food, but yeah. So, do you do you have any favorite advice uh, that you'd like to give our listeners? And do you have any favorite uh, tools or resources that you're a big fan of that you think they could find value in? Yeah, I recently. This has been my book. I read it over the summer, but it's been my book that I tell everyone about. I'm so obsessed with Todd Henry. I have a super business crush on Todd Henry. Um, so his book, Die Empty, came out this summer. And one of his exercises he has you work through is to come up with three words. That's your code of ethics. And then you're supposed to figure out how to apply that code of ethics to every interaction that you have. And so after reading that book, um, kind of at the end of my morning journaling, um, he suggests you write the words empty and E stands for how you're going to apply your code of ethics and M stands for what's your mission today and P is who are the people you're going to interact with and how can you give value to them using your code of ethics and T or what tasks are you going to tackle today and why is what are you going to do for you? And so I think there are some amazing exercises in that book that can really help propel you to unleashing your creativity and to being very thoughtful about it. Wow. That, that's amazing because I always try and remember, you know, I'll write down and think about what I need to do for the day and I'll reflect and I'll do the affirmations and things. But what you just said with the empty there was it kind of just summed it all up. And if you literally that, that covered all the bases, if you it covers all the bases, it's yeah. I like I said, I have a I I have a super crush business crush. <laughs> Well, it's, he, on my, it's on my book. I now. think he is amazing. I love his writing and I love the way he thinks. Um, he's a very thoughtful, um, creative, and he draws from a lot of resources. He's I am a super reader and he's a super reader and we have very similar book tastes. And the things he pulls out of books make me go back and reread books that I've already read and, and appreciate them in a new light. So oh, incredible. Todd yeah. Henry. Todd Henry. Yeah. His, I've got it written and down. his podcast, not to promote another podcast on your podcast, but his podcast at Accidental Creative is awesome as well. Accidental Creative? Mm-hmm. That's cool. his first book. Well, I'm going to check that out as well. I'm adding it to my list of podcasts right now. Todd Henry. Cool. And everybody out there, I'll, I'll list both of these in the show notes so you can get the links on artsynow.com forward slash Tiffany Staley and her last name is S T A H L E uh, in case you want to find that. So, well, awesome. How can our listeners find you or get in contact with you, Tiffany, so they can fist pump and, and interact and check out your, your stuff. 
Yeah, so my blog is The Artist, J-D, and that's artist, plural, A-R-T-I-S-T-S, J-D, and dot com. And J-D is the degree you earn at the end of law school. So it's all about law school for artists and making the law less scary for creatives. And I'm on all social media platforms as Tiffany Staley. The one I probably interact with the most as a photographer is Instagram, but you can find me other places as well. Incredible. So Instagram, I'm going to have to follow you on that because I know you were a photographer and I think you probably have some gems if I go back to the uh, the days when you were taking those sh- photo shoots. Yeah. Did you get a lot of shots up there at the Cascades or Glacier? <gasps> Well, so Instagram was was bef- Instagram came around after that whole trip because that trip was. But you haven't 2000- circulated any of the goodies on there. You know, I really I'm a firm believer that Instagram photos should only be taken with my iPhone. <laughs> I yeah, I guess it's you know there's point. a there's a lot of there's a lot of photographers and there's a lot of businesses who use their SLRs to take the photos that they post on Instagram, and. I can see, like from a photography standpoint, I can see the value of that. But I think that that's, in my opinion, it's kind of a misuse of the platform. Um, That the platform is, and don't get me wrong, like I will take a photo and then post it on Instagram several days later. So I'm not doing everything in the moment, but all the photos are iPhone photos. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm sure you have a nice display at your house then or your office. Yeah, I... My when I moved into this house, I when I move out, my landlord's going to be furious because I have like hundreds of pieces of art and lots of holes in the walls <laughs> from your terror rampages. Yeah, so yeah, but that's what happens when you're creative and your friends are creative. You just end up with lots of art. And so, holes in the wall, yeah. and and that means you have to hang them, and then there's a hole in the wall. <laughs> I was envisioning you just like putting your head through the wall and, and, you know, sometimes I'm afraid of going to, you know, when I get frustrated, I just wonder if that's a good idea. And then I just don't want a headache. And so got to watch out. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just pump my fist. (laughs) But out there that out here, that wouldn't happen because, you know, women aren't allowed to express themselves. So yeah, I, I just can't, I just got to go back to the kitchen and cook. Oh my gosh. 2014, everybody. Yeah. I hope that we have got to uh, get past this. And Tiffany is a prime example of why. She's changing the world and it's amazing. Uh, we're getting out there, getting funky. She's showing us that we can all surrender to our passion and start something. And it all just starts with baby steps and a little bit of practice every day. Get into your habit, get into your routine. Do a little writing, whatever it may be that you want to do. Just do a little bit every day. Three days at a time, like Tiffany said, I think that would help out. And eventually, you're not going to want to break the streak. And then it becomes a part of your day unconsciously. So visualize that outcome and play the edge. And Tiffany, thank you so much for being the entrepreneur now. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, definitely. I'm 100% pumped that you were on here. And always remember remember to keep it funky, Tiffany. I I will try. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Archerpreneur Now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com. 
or on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. The music? Well, that's shaky feeling. Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta! Keep it funky.